Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab. We are a collective of professionals sharing our experiences working in fashion, beauty, wellness, and retail. We pair up two people. They get to interview each other. So you'll hear one story this week and one story next week. We hope you'll listen to these stories, love them, share them, and then join us at jointhecolab.com and share your story. This is Beryl, the founder of Poplar, and I am so excited to chat and sort of dig deep with Barry Shore, who's going to tell us all about her journey. Barry, I'm really excited. I can't wait to like hear it. I always use Ralph Lauren as one of my examples, and you worked at Ralph Lauren, so I love that. I did, I did. So tell me, kind of like open mic, give it to me. How did you get to where you are? I was born and raised in the city. So I'm a city girl. When I was interviewing for the Bloomingdale training program, I studied art history in college. And what I really wanted to do was work at an art gallery on 57th Street. It was, it was really very much my dream. And then I realized that basically they paid you nothing to work a lot. It was a matter of me moving back into my parents' apartment or getting my own apartment. And the decision was made that I had to find a job. So I applied at Macy's and Saks and Bloomingdale's and, you know, knowing Bloomingdale's was sort of like the HBS of retail training programs. I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I was lucky enough to get the job. When they asked me how I knew Bloomingdale's, I was like, I think I like broke my soft solids, like benchmark in my infancy on your frozen yogurt. So at 40 carats. So I think that I really know this place. So now I can boast that I know every stock room on every floor. Started at Bloomingdale's, was extremely fortunate. I met one of my um, career mentors at Bloomingdale's, who was my buyer, my first assistant buying, buying job in the buying office after the floor. Um, and she was my buyer over shoes. And I was lucky enough for her to have a baby while I was there. So I really took over while Yeah. Isn't it funny that that's an opportunity when you're when your boss gets pregnant? It's a huge opportunity. And I was there the minute I knew she was pregnant because we were in market and we were on Park Avenue. I hope Flo hears this. And she got a dizzy spell in the middle of Park Avenue. And we had to sit in the median on 56th and Park while she like regained herself. And I told her it was because she stopped smoking. This was like the 90s, early 90s. We were all smoking. We were in our DKNY suits. I love it. And then I went home and I called my mother. I'm like, Flo's pregnant. And so there, it went from there and came back. And I didn't want to go back to the floor at that time. Bloomingdale's had a rule that once you were in the buying office and you were promotable, you had to go back to the floor. I knew the buying office was where I wanted to be. Not to toot my own horn because I really don't. But I had a very natural ability to like be a good picker of product and I live for data. Every report we got back then was like so crazy, like old. We wrote buys on analysis pads with pencil. Oh my God. It was before email. It was before anything. We didn't even have beepers. We smoked in the office. It was insane. It was a crazy time in 1993. So I moved on to Saks where I, there really I started my buying career and I was a buyer. I did two tours of buying and there I was the men's shoe buyer, which taught me everything you need to know as a good merchant, which is if you're not going to wear it or ever use it yourself, you become the most amazing 
merchant because you realize that you have to do, and this is my mantra in my career, it's TLC. Think like a customer, not like yourself. Because I might love something that looks really cool on a table in a showroom, but the truth is, I know that guys are too lazy to lace up their shoes now. We need a slip on. We can't do that wingtip. So I learned all of these things going through it. I was also fortunate. Everyone has their moments. Like everyone thinks you're a superstar. And that's how I looked when I was the men's footwear buyer at Saks. But casual Fridays came into being. Men started dressing more casually. And Prada Sport came around and I got it. The red on the bottom, the red line on the sole. Yep, uh uh-huh. The red stripe. That's right. It started with a sneaker, then a loafer, then a pole climbing boot that they actually redid this year with the monolith base. But, you know, I have to say, you know, it was just very fortunate for me. And I loved, loved it. I love the travel to Italy. I love doing private label in Italy under the Saks label, working in the factories and all of that. And it it just, to me, was great. And so they sent me to this program called Step Up for High Performance Individuals. But I didn't realize that by doing that, that meant that I had to change what I was doing. And I had been doing men's shoes for like almost four years. And I was super happy and wanted to stay there. Because as a young woman coming out of college and going into the Bloomingdale's training program, you really don't think there's a road past buyer. You think, oh my God, buyer, I'm a buyer. And I was a buyer by 28. And that was like so exciting to me. And I felt like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is the panacea. And then I realized, no, I want my boss's job. Yeah. But I didn't really realize that until I got into my second buying tour at Saks as division, as a division one, which was designer sportswear. And it was a very different ball of wax and the management there, though amazing and taught me so much. There were very different practices that I did not love. I wasn't very happy as I was when I could be as entrepreneurial and do my own thing in the men's shoe department. Yeah, it makes sense. I did a one-year stint at Federated, and there I learned to you know, negotiate with Chinese factories, which really cut my teeth on how to be really a tough negotiator. And then I was not happy there. And my whole team that was at Saks, and one thing that I have learned in this industry never burn a bridge, never cut a tie, keep everybody in your Rolodex or nowadays your Apple contacts, because these are the people that will shape your future and help you along the way. And this is a perfect example that the head of Burberry HR in 1999, 2000, when Rosemary Bravo left Saks, went to Burberry to re-iconize the brand, they knew I was unhappy at Federated. That's because I kept my relationships open. And so I was hired from Federated to go to Burberry, where I became the North American buyer of outerwear. How many trench coats do you own? That's what I need to know. I own about six. My most treasured trench coat was given to me by the president of North America at the time, Eugenia Ulashewicz, who was my Southeast Regional Planning SVP at Saks, and she was then the president of Burberry. And I had launched a program which became quite a marketing sensation called Art of the Trench at Burberry. And when I launched that, she, at the end of the year, after a lot of hard work, because it was like my second job on top of my day job, 
I got a custom trench with my initials in it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and it was amazing. And I still wear it. It's a little tight now because I've had a baby, but you know, things happen, whatever. Totally, totally. It's amazing. And so, you know, Burberry was wonderful, but the entire time I was everywhere that I was, my first buyer from Bloomingdale's and I kept in touch. And when I got to Burberry, she said, hey, after 20 years, I decided to leave Bloomingdale's, come work for me at Ralph Lauren. And I said, you know, I love it here. And she's like, I know. I used to travel to London twice a month for like four days. It was amazing. I was single. You were in your jam. You like had it. You were like, I got it. Right. I loved it. It wasn't the right time. And then I got engaged and she called me and she's like, I have you by the short hairs. You can't travel anymore. I know how old you are. I also know that your, my now ex-husband will not want you traveling the way you're traveling. That got me to Ralph Lauren. That was at my 14 year mark. And I am now in the business for about 30 years. So half my life was in brick and mortar and Flo took me over to ralphlauren.com where I started my .com journey. That is something that I have to say was a huge switch. It really started out as direct to consumer, but then because of the whole relationship of the Ralph Lauren universe, we had to make it omni-channel. I'll never forget, I was sitting at Theory. There was like a bullpen with everyone and then there were kind of like desks on the side and there was a desk in front of me on the side and they were like, this is the new director of e-com. And everyone was like, what? E-com, what? I mean, that transition to be on the inside and see that happen, it's crazy. So we were like this incubator team within a huge company and David Lauren was our head. It really was the most exciting time. It was the most cross-functionally enriching kind of experience. I learned online marketing. I learned how to build a wireframe. I learned UX. I learned the left nav. I learned click-through rates. I learned conversion. Everything that you would need to know about a website, I knew. And I was a merchant, but I knew it because we literally were in a room together almost, I would say, seven out of 10 hours a day. It was a great journey. I oversaw the Omnichannel initiative, me and the head of women's for the stores. We were close, so they chose us to be these kumbayas to bring the stores and online together where the stores no longer hated online for returns. The resentment went away to a point where it's still used today, where the stores have the iPads and the kiosks where you can buy if it's not in the store. It really was like a magical time for me. So everyone wants to know, what was your panacea? What was your nirvana moment in your career? And I think it was that whole Ralph Lauren team, the vibe, the learning, the being on the front end of something huge. When I got there, we were at, I believe, 20 million. When I left, we were almost a half of I know. Isn't that so fun? It is. It's like a notch on your belt, but it's something that you have to look back on and really be prideful. I mean, it's really big. And I had a child while I was there. And I went through a divorce while I was there. I was there for six years. And then things started to change. It had to go global. It was time. Senior management, the president decided not to renew her contract. And when she decided not to renew her contract, Flo left. And I was sort of an island. I was a brain trust for the new people who came in. And I 
didn't like the way things were going. So the people who ran our platform, which was Global Sports International or GSI owned by Michael Rubin, before he sold it, we were looking for chief merchants. And so they tapped me and I interviewed and it was like the longest interview process ever. And then I went for the first time in my life to off-price luxury retail. I think learning you know, learning off price is super easy. It's just a calculator and a formula. It's the flash and it's the fast paced movement of flash. There is where I really learned that not only was I a really good merchant, but that I was a huge entrepreneur and I had no idea because they gave you this clean slate with- Right, right. So you were like ready to- grab the bull by the horns. Yeah. It was totally data-driven. I'll give a fast example. So when I started, I was hired as the VP of what you would consider center core, which is all accessory world, shoes, handbags, you name it, everything that you've done in your past, Farrell. And then I bought theory later, but that's for later. Oh, I probably cut it up for you. Well, maybe we didn't overlap from timing, but I used, I would turn the leftovers into cut ups. So there you go. Okay. And we bought cut ups. So interestingly, I signed this contract and beauty was in it, but I looked at the numbers my first day and I parsed through the report that was like Greek to me. And I looked and I was in an office that was in New York City on Bryant Park, but the company was based in Boston. So my team was like, I would say halfway there and the half of it was in Boston. And I turned and I said, who buys beauty? And it was like crickets. And I was like, oh shit. Totally. Damn it. I'm like, this is a problem. So being just extremely tenacious, very scrappy, I started calling Estee, Cody, Shiseido, you name it, L'Oreal. And they all hung up the phone on me because I was off price. I was that bad word. So I said, you know what? I can't stop at this. Until end of year when they needed to liquidate their inventory and make their numbers. Well, actually, what's funny is the beauty industry is very interesting that way. They do it in different ways. And actually, they destroy things, but they don't want to sell. Like the Louis Vuitton model. It's ridiculous. That's exactly right. And so with me, I was stuck buying from third party. And I found guys who literally had garages in Miami. And I would just make lists and I'm a beauty junkie. So I knew every brand that I wanted and I put together lists and I went to them and I started in September. I remember it was literally the day after Yom Kippur in September. So we were all ready in sconce, like fourth quarter was upon us. We had a plan of a million five for beauty and we only had 250k in right you're like how can i like what i don't have enough product to sell right totally exactly so i ended up running a fragrance event for the first time that's awesome in a 48 hour event we did over a hundred thousand dollars and so i was like ding 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 low-hanging fruit and then i look and i did the data the AUR was like something like 250 and I was selling like $79 fragrances. Whoa, that's so, that's hot. I mean, yeah, what, yeah, that's an amazing AUR. Yeah. Right. So I looked and we sold our number one seller was Creed. So in two weeks from that time, I ran a Creed only event. By the time we were at EOY at the end of the year, we were at about 550, 600K. So we had doubled what we had in for the first three quarters of the year, but I had a foundation 
And I built on that. And PS now is probably this year. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not there anymore. But it'll close in at around 60 million. Oh, my God. That's wild. Especially since people aren't even going anywhere. Exactly. But like beauty is like this huge and well, self-care. Skincare is huge. As soon as we got fragrance licked, we went into beauty. We realized beauty was good, but it was really all about the skincare. We went after every single partner we had. We did it with sunglasses too. And we built this enormous accessories business. And of course, when that happens, they slap you with a promotion and they move you to another area because there's another area needing help. Yeah, go resuscitate something else. You did a great job, now do it again, yep. And so they, they sent me over to the fashion world. I was there for eight years. So I was there for um, another four years in fashion. I oversaw all TV partnerships. So I was the head merchant working cross-functionally with marketing. So I have to say like the growth there was enormous. The brand, sort of evolution um, at when we when we purchased Gilt in 2017, it gave us an enormous boost in our cachet in the marketplace. We just capitalized on every little thing and we were able to grow that. So the whole career of mine sort of is, in my opinion, I say this all the time, I'm the luckiest girl in retail because I got to oversee almost every single category in my career. I've overseen home, I've overseen kids, I've overseen women's, men's footwear, accessories, apparel, beauty, jewel, I mean, everything. And so for me, it has always been very much like, I feel very fortunate. And, and the biggest thing that I would ever impart to anyone in the business is keep your mentors close, I guess. That's the big one. I love that. Any advice now to people who aren't in an office, right? They can't turn around and be like, who's doing beauty? You know, like how, how do you even create, how do you find a mentor today? One of the best things that I love about, loved about my job right now, I'm sort of on my own doing my own thing and I'm, I'm sort of enjoying it right now, but obviously looking for my next chapter, I have to tell you, it's the people. It's the people that you teach. And being a teacher makes you so much better at what you do. I don't know how to explain it, but every time you teach someone how to work a line and write, write a buy and look at a sheet and decipher a stock to sales ratio or any, anything, you then imprint that on your own brain again. And so watching my team grow under me and seeing the people who I taught go into my roles after I left is the biggest compliment I think that I could ever have. And it's happened so many times and it just makes me smile. And I honestly think every time a young lady would come in and say, oh, I just got engaged. I'm so excited. We're getting married in June. I've always said to them, and I don't know if this is like allowed anymore or not PC, but I would always say, don't quit your job. Don't quit your job because your future is so based in a future for a family and a happy marriage that you hope to have, but also your personal journey and whether that personal journey is leaving retail and being a volunteer for the museum or the homeless shelters. But 
if this is your calling, stay in it. Because I know I got divorced early on in my child's life. And if it wasn't for my career, I would have gone bonkers because I didn't have anything to distract me from it. And all I thought about was my child and my business. And I put my mind into that. And I think telling people that work for me that it brought us closer. And I think that they really respected me, not just my business acumen, but sort of the life lessons that I've imparted. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think maybe how we got matched together is probably a a force of thinking, thinking similarly. I mean, I still give advice. One, someone who worked for me at Kate is actually, I'm meeting her for coffee next week because she's like, I feel like I'm at a crossroads. What do I do? I'm like, well, I don't know, but I'll listen. I don't have the answers, but I'll tell you what I know, you know, what I've experienced. So that's so amazing. To end it, last question. So, you know, the world has changed. You've seen fashion change many times before, like you shared, right? Sort of like whether it was from brick and mortar to digital or from full price to off price, like all of those are, were huge, what is the next journey that will sort of bring you happiness and, and fulfillment? Like, what do you see down the pipe? Well, I always want to grow. So I always want to be innovating and exploring the newest product, the most exciting product. But retail as a platform, I see evolving into first video and then a lot of AI in the future. I really do believe that retail, online, mobile, is just the tip of the iceberg, frankly. However, my place in it is still to be the curator of the finest products, the most interesting new products. I'm known to spot trends before they happen, and that's what I want to continue to do, whether it is for online selling, video selling, or AI suggesting that you buy something. And of course, always with the voice of the customer in your head as a good merchant. I love that. That's amazing. Well, Barry, I'm so happy to know you and to to be part of you sharing your your journey to everyone. That's clearly an inspiration. So it's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the questions, the meeting. And I look forward to maybe collaborating in the future one day. I love that. This is a great network and I'm really pleased to be a part of it. I love that. All right. Well, be well and good luck. All right. Well, thanks. You too. Thank you, Barry. It was a pleasure. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for being here for the Collab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the Collab and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com.